Matthew 25, 34. Here's what the Bible says. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the one of, one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Every time you care for somebody, you're doing it to Jesus. Every time you come to the aid of somebody, as a follower of Jesus, you're doing it not to that person, you're doing it to Jesus. That's why I am very concerned today with what is happening in this land, right? I'm, I don't mean to get political and all that kind of stuff. You know, you know I, don't, I don't espouse that from the pulpit. But I want you to have your ear to the ground, all right? When we begin to dehumanize and group people into sections, we are in danger of repeating history. Hear me. We are in danger of repeating history. When we talk about the heartbeat of Jesus, Jesus is for people. Jesus is the one who said, if somebody slaps you, don't retaliate. Give them the other cheek and let them slap you there also. Everything in me wants to retaliate. Everything in me wants to get back at you. But as a follower of Jesus, I can't do that. I just can't. And I'm sorry, but some of the things we're doing in the name of God is shameful. Today I received a text from somebody in Africa and he said, Campbell, what can we do to help pastors and churches wake up to the gospel of Jesus? What can, in fact, he says, what can you do? I say, God, I don't have the answer to what he's saying. I say it over and over again in this church. We can never, ever legislate morality. We can't tell people, you can't do this. And say, if they don't do it, then they're turning their hearts to God. We just can't. We can have the laws that say that but their hearts will be so far from God. And yesterday, I had a very hard time sleeping because my heart is aching. But anyway, if there's one thing that we should do, my friends, and I want you to take this personally, right? Take it personally. Is ask yourself, am I living the way Jesus wants me to live? Is my heart in tune with what Jesus is saying? Because the other danger I see, and I was saying this to my wife yesterday, and forgive me for getting on a rant here and on a soapbox, but the other danger I see is us preaching a gospel that is so comfortable for people 
that they don't realize that Christ is actually calling them to change their lives. That Jesus is not interested in religion. Right? He's not interested in ritual. He's not interested in us looking right. Jesus is interested in us living right. And that's why people find it easy to look right, talk right, but not live right. Change is not change until you've changed. Change must be personal, it must be deep, and it must be visible. We believe everyone can change, but make no mistake about it. That change has to be visible. If you tell me a follower of Jesus, show me that you are. Don't live with unforgiveness. Show me that you are. Don't live like an angel on Sunday and like a devil on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and then you get your life right on Saturday because tomorrow is Sunday. You get what I'm saying? I'm so tired of what I have been experiencing from God. I want more. And for me, I'm, I, you know, I was expecting this spiritual high and all that kind of, And God is saying, come on, just get back to doing the st simple stuff. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Amen. All right. Whew. God, I got that off my chest. Now I can deliver your word. Or should we just go home? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and, and I hope that you get my heart. I hope that you get my heart this morning. And, and please do me a favor. Can you pray for us as me and my wife? Because there's some very practical things God has asked us to do, and it's going to change our lives. I don't even know how we're going to do it, but it's going to. Listen, okay, let me, let, let, I'm, I'm, I didn't talk to my wife about this, but she'll be okay with it. Let me just tell you. This whole abortion thing gets me. It gets me. But Jesus said to me, okay, Campbell, what are you going to do about it? And it wasn't until, and this is how God works. It wasn't until Friday, I had a social worker come from the city to come and see one of the guys I work with. And in talking to him, he eventually found out that I was a pastor. And he's also a believer. And he goes to church. And so we got, he's from Africa, and we, we got talking about God. And he said, what are you doing up here, Campbell? I said, well, this is what God has called me, you know. <laughs> Go figure, right? And then he says, Campbell, one of the biggest privileges that I had was being called by a hospital because as a chaplain. He says, the privilege of being called by a hospital to say, can you come and be the person that receives unwanted babies when they are born? And he says, I jumped on that. And he said, I, I, every day they would call me, hey, come up. There's a child who is being given to the system. Mothers would give birth and they would give up their children to the city of New York. And he said, but you know, for me, it wasn't a, point, it wasn't a time for me to get angry. It was a me to look at this as a privilege to receive this child. And he says, I began to pronounce blessings over their lives. And I would say, the doctor would give the child to me and I would say, you're blessed. God has a purpose and a destiny for your life. You're going to be somebody who's going to change the world. And he says he did that for a couple years until somebody decided that wasn't politically correct for him to do. 
and he stopped. But the way God, God does it is that when he was kicked out, the person who came to replace him was a woman who also did the same thing. <laughs> Go figure, right? Ta-da! So here, here's my thing. When God challenged me about this whole thing, I said, God, I've never considered being a foster parent. I never considered it. But I'm going to trust you that we're going to make it happen. Amen. So pray for my wife and I. We want to be foster parents. Okay? Uh, I don't know how this is going to change our lives because I, I don't know if I can deal with getting it a baby. <laughs> I don't know. I need Jesus. <laughs> Y'all got to pray for me. I need the Lord. <laughs> All right? But I'm, you know, and I'm excited and afraid. Uh, I think this is going, and, and my wife was saying, what if we get two at the same time? I'm like, no, I just want to think about one for now. <laughs> it's like, but it happens, honey. It happens where they give you two because they're from, they're twins. I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. I'll, I'll watch you. I'll watch you do your thing, okay? But, but please pray for us. We, this is something that we have just, yesterday it was, just a conviction that we've had to say, listen, there are more people that want babies. There no, there's no such thing as unwanted babies in America. I don't believe that. You know, so we want babies. A lot of them, like a football team. God help Amanda. Praise the Lord. But anyway, that is the point of prayer for us, and we are going to get the process started. We don't know how long it's going to take and all that kind of stuff, but we want to get into the system and do that because we want to put feet to our faith. Amen? All righty. Let's get it. This will be quick. Uh, we'll tie it in a nice bowl, and then we'll get to eating and get into a business meeting today. All right. In the Old Testament, people gave descriptive names to God as they experienced him. Okay, so when, when they would experience something from God or something about God, they would name God that thing. Okay, so it was very descriptive. And in the Old Testament, even in the whole Bible, the name for God is Jehovah, which is a basic Hebrew pronunciation for the name God. A name was, a name of a person was descriptive of their character. Okay, remember last week I told you about Jabez or Jabez or whatever you want to call him? His name means pain. Every time his parents called him, they called him a pain. Hey, yo, you pain, come over here. You're such a pain in the neck. Get over. You're such a pain in a very sensitive part of the body. Get over here, right? That was his character and his destiny. That's what they were pronouncing over his life until he said, no, God, save me from my pain. So names were descriptors of character. All right, so I want to start off and just give you six names of God that I use daily or often when I pray. The first one is Jehovah Shammah, all right, and it simply means the Lord who is always present with me. Let me put it up on the screen here. I might need Lars in a second if I don't get it. Okay, the God who is always present with me. It's found in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 48, verse, or chapter number 48, verse 35, and says this, and from that day, the name of the city will be, will be the Lord is there, or the Lord is present. Amen? No matter what you're going through in life, and no matter how hard it gets, 
I want you to know that God has promised to never leave you nor forsake you because he is Jehovah Shammah. He is the God who is always present with you. Now, you might not feel like he's with you. Right? You might not feel it. But I want you to know that he is there with you. He is present in your times of trouble. And so when you pray this prayer, especially when things get tough, you say, God, I want to thank you that you are Jehovah Shammah. That you are a God who is always present with me. And though I don't see you and feel you right now, I want to thank you that you are with me. The moment you acknowledge God in that way, it is a way of you surrendering that particular situation over to him and saying, God, take control because you are Jehovah Shammah. Amen? You got it? The second name of the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. And it means the Lord who is my provider and meets all my needs. He is my provider and he meets all my needs. Genesis 22 verse 14. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people will still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, the backstory of that scripture is that God tastes Abraham, right? He gave him a test. He said, I want you to sacrifice your son, your one and only son that you waited for for more than 25 years. I want you to sacrifice that son to me. And Abraham takes Isaac. He doesn't tell Isaac where they're going. He just tells Isaac, I want you to gather firewood. And they gathered firewood. And they went up to the mountain. And Isaac says to daddy, he says, daddy, I see we have made an altar. We have the firewood. But we have no sacrifice. And the words out of Abraham's mouth were, the Lord will provide. And so... Abraham takes a rope and ties Abraham, uh, Isaac's hands and, and, and feet. And he takes his son and puts him on the altar. And he raises a knife to chop off his head. When he hears God say, stop Abraham. Now I know that you love me and you trust me. And then at that moment he says, look in the bush. There is a ram. And Abraham looked and there was a ram. He went and got the ram, sacrificed it. And God provided. Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. Sometimes God will call you to sacrifice something you hold so dear. So that he can show you that he is the provider. Amen. So when I pray, when I'm in need, not when I'm in want, like I want something. There are a lot of things that I want. Top of the list, BMW M6. God, I want. That is it. I want. I pray for that. And I, God, I want. God is like, you ain't ready. That's not a need, Campbell. A need is something that is necessary for your survival. Right? God will provide. And so when you go to God, I say, God, I want to thank you that you're Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. I am temporarily out of cash. I'm not broke. I'm just temporarily out of cash. That's what I call it. I don't, I don't use the word broke. I'm just temporarily out of cash, and I need some money. Hook a brother up. 
and God provides. Amen? And God will provide opportunities. Don't miss an opportunity because it comes dressed in overalls and it looks like work. Don't miss it. Okay? When you pray for money, God doesn't drop a bag from heaven. God drops an opportunity. Praise God. Jehovah Jireh. All righty. Then the third name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who is my healer. And this is in Exodus chapter number 15, verse 26. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will, make, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. Jehovah Rapha. Amen. Sometimes that healing comes in an instant. Sometimes it comes progressively. But every day you get up, you say, God, I want to thank you that you are my healer. That you are Jehovah Rapha who heals my bodies. Who takes away all my diseases. You are Jehovah Rapha. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my disease. Anything... Everything that affects humanity, Jesus took upon the cross and nailed it there. And he said, it is finished. He is Jehovah Rapha. Amen. The moment you invoke that name of God, whew, the heavens open and you begin to experience healing in so many ways. Amen. And sometimes it is instant, sometimes it is progressive. But nonetheless, there is healing that happens. Jesus told a story of 10 lepers that got healed. Now, I want you to think of this. When the people got leprosy, they were cast out of the community. They were considered unclean. They couldn't hang around everybody else. Jesus went and he healed those people. The lepers, the outcasts. But it is interesting when he tells that story, he said, he healed 10 and they went. One of them turned back and he came and said, thank you for healing me. And Jesus said, go my son, your faith has made you whole. There is healing and there's wholeness. There is healing and then there's wholeness. It is possible to get healed but not be entirely whole. Picture this. That lep those lepers, they got healed of their leprosy. This is just an example. This is how I think of it. This is not what the Bible says, okay? Uh, just to draw an example of wholeness. These lepers get healed, but you can still tell that they had leprosy because their limbs are affected. But the one who's made whole is like somebody whose skin comes back. His limbs go back. That's wholeness. And God wants you whole. Amen. He doesn't want you falling apart. He wants you whole. Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. Amen. We're getting there. Jehovah. I made a mistake here, guys. I'm sorry. It's Jehovah Shalom, okay? The Lord who is my peace and makes my life complete. Ignore that. 
Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is my peace and makes my life complete. In fact, the literal meaning of shalom means nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. That is a state of peace. The Garden of Eden was a place of shalom. It was a place of peace. Nothing missing and nothing broken in your life. That's what I want. Not just healing for my body and not just wholeness. But I want every relationship in my sphere to be whole. Right? That is my life is now complete. When relationships around me are whole. That is peace. That surpasses understanding. God is my peace. And friends, it's very hard to pray this when you're going through hell. Right? When you are, you, you are being taken through the gauntlet and you feel like the devil is punching you every which way. And you say, God, I want to thank you that you're Jehovah Shalom. God, my peace, who makes me complete. You complete me. Right? You do have Tom Cruise there. Praise God. Jehovah Sikinu, the Lord who is my righteousness. The Lord who is my righteousness. This is what the Bible says. And this will be his name, Jeremiah 23, verse 6. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. Safety. Amen. When God is, I want you to understand this. Righteousness is about being in right standing with God. Meaning your bank account in heaven is not in the red. You can actually make a withdrawal because there's money in the account, right? When you're in right standing with God, your relationship with him is in the right place. But it, that doesn't happen because of what you do. It happens because of what Jesus did. He who, he who had not sinned became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus made us right with God. Don't get me wrong. We do have a part to play in terms of maintaining that relationship. But we did not initiate that relationship. God did. And so when the enemy comes to guilt you because of what you did yesterday and how you used to live your life, when he comes to say, maybe you have not really changed, that's when you say, I want to thank you, Jesus, that you are Jehovah's seeking, you know, God, my righteousness, that I am in right standing with you and my heart is at peace. Amen. Now you better make sure that the accusation the enemy is leveling against you is not true. Because sometimes the devil tells the truth. Sometimes. He's like, uh, yeah, Jesus, I don't think they're living the way you want them to live right now. That's the truth. And you can't go to God and I know the devil lying. Jesus, you know the devil lying because he's a liar. Jesus is going to be like, really? Really? You want us to look at yesterday, what you did? Right? 
Ah, sometimes we blame things on the devil, and the devil's like, I have no idea. I don't have anything to do with that. They're lying, Jesus. That, it got really quiet there. Praise God. All right, two more. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who fights for me. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be, will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Listen, do not pick a fight with me. Right? Do not go to battle with me. Because you will lose every time. And I don't even have to raise a finger. God does it. I've prayed sometimes. I'm like, God, mess them up. Teach them a lesson. They will never ever forget. Fight for me. And I go about with a smile on my face. Knowing that God will sort them out. He fights for me. That's why you cannot take vengeance in your own hands. Vengeance belongs to the... Listen, God can do them better than nobody can. God knows how to get people better than you and I can. I remember my dad was accused of stealing at work. Because people were jealous of his prosperity. So they lied that he was stealing. And in the meeting where he was being suspended, he said these words, which he regrets today because they became true. He said, you don't know who you're dealing with. I am a child of God. And all of you in here will die. And he walked out. Guess what happened? They started dropping like flies. Yep. What my dad meant to say was, God is going to fight for me. And God sorted them out. Seriously, they died. All except one who came, I think, and apologized and was like, yeah, they died. My dad has never used those words again. Because God takes what you say seriously. Huh? So when I say God sort them out and I walk away, woo, the Lord goes into action. He can give a better butt whipping than I can, believe me. God, fight for me, Jehovah Nisi. Let's close. I was about to get all black on you, but I was just, you know, I just backed off on that. Jehovah Royi, God my shepherd. And I want to close by reading the psalm that describes God as our shepherd. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. That's my favorite line there. God will prepare a table, a feast in the presence of your enemies. I told you my favorite line in a song is in a Zambian song. It says, God, please do not let my enemies die before they witness my prosperity. Please, Jesus, sustain them until they see 
my prosperity. Please, Jesus, sustain them until you set a table in their midst. And they see me eat chicken and rice. <laughs> right, right in front of them. Prepare a feast in the presence of my enemies, Jesus. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You can take that scripture and pray it every day and declare that God is your shepherd. But here's a trick. Don't be a stubborn sheep. Because many times we ask Jesus, lead me. And Jesus says, okay, go that way. No, I think I'll go this way. Lead me beside still waters, Jesus, today I pray. Okay, go that way. No, Jesus, I don't know if I can live my life without drama. So you're looking for confusion, right? And get caught up in the vortex of other people's drama. And then you're like, God, I don't know what happened. Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. You asked me to lead you beside still waters, but you went the other way. Amen. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. So don't put your trust in other things or other people. Don't put trust in your money, in your own strength. Put your trust in the Lord. Let him be your shepherd. And when he is, you shall lack nothing. You shall lack no good thing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Prayer is simple when you pray. The only way to learn to pray is to pray. That is the only way you can do it. You got to actually open your mouth and say something. That is the only way you learn to pray. Amen. And so over the last few weeks, we have been looking at what it means to pray. And what it will take for us to learn to pray. Last week, we talked about praying the, word, the, 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 the verses or the word of God. Today, we're talking about praying the names of God. You take last week and this week and you do it every day, you will have so much stuff to pray for that you won't have enough time. Amen? But the trick is you have to apply it. It can't just be on that paper, look nice in your Bible and you pick it up next Sunday and you're like, I don't know why my life is going so berserk. You got to pray just to make it today. You got to pray. Pray. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. Lars, did you know that song? Okay. <laughs> Don't date yourself, bro. Naomi knew the words to that song. God, we want to thank you for who you are. <laughs> you're Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. That you're Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. That you're Jehovah Nisi. God, our banner in battle who fights for us. That you're Jehovah Shalom. God, our peace who completes us. We want to thank you that God, you are Jehovah Tzikinu. God, our righteousness. You have made us right. And Lord, we want to thank you that you are Jehovah Rohi, God, our shepherd. And because you are, we shall not lack any good thing. You will lead us besides two waters. God, you will restore our souls. And so, God, today, we come to you who is able to do all things. 
And we're asking you, first of all, that you teach us to pray. Secondly, we're asking that, Lord, you give us a hunger and a thirst for your word. Thirdly, God, we're asking that you help us to apply your word. But God, we will not just read it as good teachings, but teachings that are able to transform our lives. Because your word is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the divide and asunder soul and spirit, born and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And so, Jesus, we lay ourselves bare before your word. And we're asking that, God, you do only what you can do. Change us from the inside out. In your name, God, we pray. And everybody say it, amen, amen. and amen. Thank you.